won't you stay with me? Cause you're all I need. Well, <laughs> that of course is the entertaining eunuch Sam Smith. And it's what I cooed into a half-empty bottle of Macallan 12 and a full box of Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies right before I drifted off to sleep in my vintage barca lounger, then this must be Dale Radio. And I, of course, am your host, Dale Seaver, and you're listening to another episode of Some Things I Enjoy, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And I hope you're doing well. Wherever you are, I hope that all 27 power chakras are aligned and that you're not as I am dreading the sudden reappearance of night terrors. Now, from where I sit in the wood-paneled confines of the Dale Radio headquarters, surrounded by my collection of fall foliage postcards and soon-to-be-rotting decorative gourds, I can report that things are shaping up for a terrific seventh season of the podcast. We had a great live episode uh, just the other night to start things off, and I realized something doing that program. As one does, I'm constantly learning from the audience and the experience of doing live shows. Uh, from now on, I'm going to wear a belt. <laughs> That's one of the things I learned. And uh, I'm going to request less fattening lightning, lighting uh, for the shows. Less fattening lighting uh, is what needs is a little bit more flattering. I tell you, I look at the pictures after the show, and that's what occurred to me. <laughs> I said, my goodness, I better lay off. But uh, I, I'll be honest, I let myself go this summer. I really did. Last year, I thought I'd run. Well, that's a fine goal. We all need goals. And uh, <laughs> luckily, a recent round of the flu rumbled through, and I was able to drop 10 pounds thanks to an exclusive diet of Tylenol cold and seedless rye uh, and <laughs> avoiding the trap of Chipotle. I tell you, though, uh, talking about Chipotle, I hope to meet a woman someday who approaches life with the cruel efficiency of the line of Chipotle. Say what you want. You get it. Move on. <laughs> you know, Next. That's ideal. That's how I'd like to be in a relationship. You tell me what it is, I'll do it, and then we get on with it. Now, part of the issue requiring me to let out the trousers this summer was the fact that I had a very busy travel schedule for work. <clears throat> now, you know, I work for a tremendous flyer-handing-out company. I get the word out about the musicals and comedy shows up on Broadway. I love my work. But recently, I was moved to an indoor position as a senior account manager for inks and equipment. At first, I was, uh, you know, all great. I get to be out of the rain. But but then it suddenly started to, to sink in that I was going to have to, A, work in close proximity to Stacey Chan all day, she of the passive-aggressive swearing beneath her breath, and B, I would be sitting uh, instead of out with the tourists and the people of New York who are always so happy to have me tell them about the comedy show or musicals that they could attend. <laughs> I would have to be, I'd have to be inside there. So uh, the best days were the ones where they'd have us dress up. You know, when we were out there, the best days outside, whenever they thought that it would be great, that the flyer passing out process could be enhanced by um, me wearing a costume. So for Chicago, I got to be a flapper. And for Newsies, I was a, a poor child uh, uh, from the Depression, I guess. And, uh, oh, Book of Mormon, this was fun. I got to dress like myself, <laughs> which was great. More musicals with white guys in glasses and ties, I say. <laughs> That's the path, my friends. Anyway, 
One perk uh, of the job is the is travel to some of the finest soy-based ink providers and innovative equipment leasing programs across the country. And I also do some consulting work for our franchisees uh, throughout North America to help them learn some of the tricks of standing out on a corner and handing out flyers. Uh, it's harder than it looks, folks. Harder than it looks. So this summer, I found myself watching ducks waddle through a hotel in Memphis, uh, driving quickly through Arkansas, as one should, and taking in a, a specialty craft beer with a drone operator in Albuquerque. So as it happens, I had a little free time one night uh, while I was in New Mexico in Santa Fe. And earlier that day, someone had mentioned that they had live music in the plaza at the center of town. Well, I love outdoor concerts and I love civic programming. So I enjoyed a very expensive meal of roast duck. And that was served with uh, a $17 whiskey drink that was mostly wood smoke. And then I wandered back down toward the middle of town where a sizable crowd had gathered. And I tell you, what a crowd. Full of ponytails and chunky jewelry, and that was just the fellas. <laughs> anyway, I fit right in with the colorful scarves and hiking shoes worn as evening wear, and I got a, a little closer to the stage. I realized that the band playing was, in fact, one of my all-time favorites, The Handsome Family. Now, I had followed The Handsome Family for years. I have. I enjoy their music, ladies and gentlemen. They started out in Chicago, and they've been going for, oh, two decades or so. Uh, Brett and Rennie Sparks, is a, is a couple there. They're, they're, those are the, the group, and they bring other people in, of course, to do other things. And they have some terrific albums out. I highly recommend Singing Bones, uh, Through the Trees. Their most recent effort was Wilderness. And uh, you may know them from the opening credits of HBO's uh, True Detective. And theirs is a distinctive sound that, that really speaks to me, with some of the finest lyrics you'll find in any music today. It's intricate, heartbreaking, tragic, and funny, much like this program. <laughs> Let's be honest. The Handsome family joined me from their home in Albuquerque. I will say this is a, a Skype call uh, uh, that we had. And uh, since uh, Brett was enjoying some coffee, I would say that I paired this podcast today. And as I'm talking to you, I'm enjoying a little bit of uh, black coffee uh, from the Fairway supermarket. And uh, that could stand to have some whiskey in it. I won't, <laughs> I won't kid you. That would make it a little better. But... Um, it was so great of them to take some time, and they were very uh, 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 generous and forthcoming in a discussion that I think touches on the creative process, the history of American song, and where things went wrong <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my conversation with the Handsome Family. Well, uh, Rennie and Brett Sparks, the handsome family, thank you for making some time uh, for me. This is a real thrill to be uh, talking with you. And here we go. Technology, isn't it something? You are there in your home in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the land of enchantment. And uh, I am here in New York, land of brutal disappointment. And uh, it's uh, how are things out there? Uh, it's sunshine and roses. Yeah, brutal, <laughs> brutally sunshiny. Every day. Overcast today. Is it? And yeah. you, you were just uh, on tour, though. Is that correct? You're just coming off a tour. Yeah. Back from, and you were out here in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, I'm talking. <laughs> he just said you weren't here to talk at all. Now he's answering everything. Damn, you're a piece of work. Go ahead, tell them all Thank about the you. tour. Uh, it was a fabulous <laughs> tour, and 
we were in the south and the east coast, as they call them. Um, yes. Yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. And it's, it's just it's the two of you, I imagine. Plus, uh, you you pick up whoever else is along the way, some drifters. Yeah, yeah. mostly drifters. <laughs> we have we, look. We have a, a drummer who who we've coerced into. Jason Toth, his name is. He lives in yeah. Chicago. Great. Great. And, uh, yeah, he tours with us most of the time. We also had uh, on this tour. We had a local guy, Alex McMahon, who played pedal steel and came and played some really fancy guitar parts for He's us. He's a guitar hero. And he, was, he, was he the fellow that was there in Santa Fe when I saw you? Yeah, was he? No, he was, that was a different guy. We have a different. No, that, that was a different. That guy. was a Santa different Fe guy. drifter. <laughs> Don't know his name. Just wandered Dave, on stage. He just came David, <laughs> David Gutierrez, or as we call him, Guts. <laughs> a fine nickname. English speakers who can't pronounce Gutierrez. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, did you get a chance while you're in Brooklyn to visit the Morbid Anatomy uh, Museum? Oh, we, oh, didn't, that's too bad. we didn't do a goddamn thing in Brooklyn except play and leave. Well, I tell you, I think you, I think you'd like that place. No, it sounded great. If you it's get a sad. chance to come back, there was nothing we could do. We even uh, we were close to the ramen burger place, and I didn't even get ramen burger. <laughs> oh, so. ramen burger. <laughs> I don't even know how that works, but I'm curious. I, I think it's the noodles, and then they put the burger in between the two stacks of noodles. How does it stay together? That's the bun. Yeah, I don't know. See? I, I don't know if I'm in favor of those witchcraft. kind of things. but oh, witchcraft. No. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry I didn't get to see that. Yeah, the, that museum sounds really cool. Yeah, have you been to the Muter Museum down there? Yes, I've been there. So yeah. you, you, have a sense, you have a sense of it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. You have an affinity for that kind of thing? Well, I don't know. Not really. No. <laughs> it's so fun going to the Moon Museum with you because you kept saying, let's leave. This is horrible the whole time. <laughs> I think I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> All the pustules yeah. and that kind of thing. How would you want to, yeah, that kind of, I understand why, you know, you'd be into it. but It's, it's good to remind yourself you have a body. You're made of these parts. I try my hardest to, to distract myself from that. <laughs> Not only you have a body and things can go horribly wrong. <laughs> if you're not careful, that's all the time. makes me appreciate the days when you know my my appendix doesn't rupture. <laughs> that's a a very positive way to look at it, Seriously. isn't it? <laughs> well, I, as I said, I've been a fan of yours for a number of years, and partly that's because I'm attracted to great storytelling in songs, and there aren't as many uh, great uh, story songs out there. Would you agree? Yeah, it's strange. You'd think everyone would write story songs. It seems like the, the most obvious way to write, write a song. I mean, you know, there once was a man from Nantucket. It just <laughs> unfolds that way. You want yeah, to know what happened to that man. Something I do. good, I hope. <laughs> I Maybe do. something terrible. <laughs> well, but, uh, sleep people don't write songs like that. They write, um, I don't know, modern lyrics are just sort of space fillers for melismas, you know, that, that those things that go up and down at the end of lines that my Mariah Carey taught all singers now must do. Right. But yeah, it's, the state of lyrics is, is pretty strange to me. I, I don't understand why people don't want to sing something besides, baby, I want you, baby, I need you. It's, it's and the then cult. Go around again. It's the cult of the singer. It's yeah, kind of that's the death true. of. I, I don't want to use the F word because, you know, it's so often misused. But folk music is essentially anonymous. And it's not, I mean, yeah. it takes a thousand years to make a You're just the narrator song. then. You're just the t and storyteller instead of the main Yeah, you're main just focus. a carrier. You're a vehicle. Yeah. You're, right. You're just moving the virus, That's basically. <laughs> when That's you not going to sell When you sing a folk song. You're gonna, um, not going to sell a single product that but way. It's not, it's not, I mean, the fact that 
the word teenager was invented in the 20th century. It's kind of like the first time that demographic existed and you had to reach these kids, you know, and you have to sing songs about yourself and, you know, look at, look at the early Beatles songs. They went from singing, thank you, girl. Thank you. She love you know, love you. Yeah. 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 It's all about, yeah, yeah. it's, it, it's almost directed toward their audience. You right. Know? And trying to, to connect with that feeling of what they're as, going through. As, as they went on and actually figured out what, you know, and those are great songs, but, um, when they started doing what they wanted to do, it was, you know, infinitely more interesting the news today. Oh boy. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. well, they also stopped wanting to tour and wanting to be teeny bopper, you know, yeah. sex symbols too. Yeah, they, could, get they grew that. beards no and more wore touring. raccoon fur coats. They were sweet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're yeah. getting tired of being the, <laughs> the teen <laughs> sex symbols. I imagine Not too many. that's a burden for both of you. It's like the culture called to the singer. It's Elvis's fault. You know, it's so, like everybody right. talks about, this this pivotal moment, like this, Elvis changed everything. The, the he combined the black music with the white music and made you know. But actually, what he did is he made the singer the most important thing. Right. And it, he made the singer more important than the song. I mean, he didn't even write those songs, you know. But it's right, like right. Yeah. He became the vehicle and and the product. And I mean, folk music. As such, as like like the stuff in the Harry Smith collection, those are commercial recordings, but they're not about the people singing them. Well, you know, you know what's interesting though that, that Grill Marcus has that new book that's out, and he was I haven't read it yet, but I was just reading a review on it, and they were talking about how he quotes Neil Young as talking about how it, folk and, and and blues didn't come from rock and rock ro rock and roll. It's the other way. Rock and roll created folk and blues in the sense that after rock and roll, when we became obsessed with with idols and pop idols, then we started looking backwards for like the Carter family, what they look like, and you start trying to figure out who's sexy in the past and trying to right. find this. <laughs> this Try this to categorize weird. those and, and market that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that Mabel Carter was like. You know, thinking about shaking her booty, she was singing songs and playing songs. But then it becomes. Well, she this, would like to wear a nice hat. We want a story about how she lived this really amazing, special life, and you know, her fingers moved differently. Yes, but I think Sarah was kind of like the hotsy totsy. <laughs> she was. Everyone has a fave. Everybody is a fave. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we are insisting on that kind of narrative now, whereas before those people were happy to, and it was that's what their job was, was to tell stories, was to be the narrator, to be like the, you know, the uh, the traveling bard who relates um, stories between town between the towns and tells people the news. That's a different I, thing than than being someone who lives a special life that I, they sing about. I think you're kind of, and this is a question that we could address for like the whole interview, basically. Aren't you getting <laughs> um, coffee? <laughs> I will. Um, I think we're thinking backwards because I think it's more like the reason that we write story songs is because Rennie writes lyrics that are stories. I didn't know and, any better. And folk music, that 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 idiom just suits the way that she rides. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, we like folk music, so we write story songs. It, it, no, I think it's kind of it just happens that, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm a writer, I like books, I don't really care for this music thing too much, I think it's a passing art form. It doesn't right, sustain yeah. me much, so, yeah. It's yeah. really ephemeral. It was nice crap. to find that there were some stories in, in the world of music that I could relate to, but mostly okay. I just thought that music had terrible lyrics yeah. until I finally found some, but I, I've always just wanted to write stories, so, and 
you know, nobody really likes to read stories that much. So it helps if you have someone sing the story for you to get the story told. Right. So it was a happy accident that I found this mouthpiece for my, yeah. for my, <laughs> for my work. <laughs> well, one, one thing that also it seems like a, uh, something that runs through all of the stories, there is an undercurrent, maybe not all of them, but uh, of longing and loss. Uh, that, and that really speaks to me. And, and uh, you know, you have this world that you describe that's sort of populated with these unfortunate souls that may, for a brief moment, you know, have a little uh, touch of the sunlight. They may sparkle briefly, and then they are consumed by uh, shadows sometimes of their own making. But uh, uh, this, this, I imagine that probably comes from your upbringing on Long Island. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I just want well said. <laughs> I don't know. For the record, I feel like that's kind of the story of everyone's life, whether they know it or not. Yeah, exactly. The story of growing up and the story of becoming an adult is the story of learning that everything you love is going to be taken away from you. Yeah. And that's okay. (laughs) The anal phase. (laughs) All your toys, one by one, are going to crumble into dust, and then you're going to join them. But that doesn't mean we should just lay down and die. So in the the face of that awful truth, how do we find something beautiful to, to spend our days with? And there are ways, I think. And that's what I like. That's what I like to talk about. Yeah. You know, Long Island. I think maybe yeah, sure. I I'd like to think that the ghosts of Long Island definitely have an influence on me. Every every town where I grew up had a, a native name, and every one of those natives mm-hmm. is long gone. And I it's thought okay, I thought maybe <laughs> that there was some horrible Dutch Long Island uh, native war over wampum, but it actually was smallpox that that killed most of them, even before. Where do your parents live? That's a quag, yeah. There's lots of quags where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. And they're all they're all the um, the wampum making natives out there. They all, um, most of them were. There's probably a few Shinnecocks left here and there, but for the most part, their culture was decimated by disease, just by like one Dutch guy walking ashore and like saying, "Hey, want a blanket?" Hey guys. <laughs> so life is screwy that want a way. Sandwich. You know, and <laughs> right. the sandwich <laughs> really brought down. Yeah, look what we've done with the place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Brett, Odessa, Texas, uh, where you're from? You, yeah. you, you were okay down there? Troubled teen, were you? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, it's, re- it's strange because I had somebody ride me from, from, from Odessa, actually from Dallas, who grew up in Odessa, and said, Are you from Odessa, Texas? Because I. Because one of our records is called Odessa, right. and he'd heard some, you know, rumblings, and he's like, "Are you from Odessa, Texas?" Yeah, I'm from Odessa, Texas. I grew up there. Went went to high school there. Blah blah blah. And he, you know, he just couldn't believe it. It was like somebody else was from Odessa, Texas. <laughs> but I mean, it was a real. It was a very backwater redneck shithole. It was a real. Bad. It was a bad place. <laughs> so then, but was there a good uh, music store or something? How did you have access to uh, to all the Buck Owens and all this kind of thing, all the classic country? At the, at the time, I had a friend that was very influential to me, and all all I listened to until I was like in high school was classical music, and all I played I played piano. I started playing piano when I was five or six, and so all I did was play piano and listen to classical music, and you know, much to the chagrin of my parents. And um, <laughs> but I was surrounded by my father had really good taste in music, and my mother was musical. My father listened to like you know the Beatles and 
the Eagles and Engelbert Humberdink and you know just a real right. wide variety Dink. of weird stuff. But, uh, had a eight track recorder and all that kind of stuff. So I listened to a lot of music, but I played a lot of music and, mm -hmm. and listened to a lot of yeah, you know, like Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, stuff and, like that. And you are uh, thoroughly versed academically, but I think also just pro probably just in your core with with the history of music and the uh, history of early recorded music as well. That's all. Uh, it's all I've really studied or thought about. So right. I'm complete one trick pony. And it seems as if you have almost music history. So it's like I have a degree in thinking about music. It's not even a degree <laughs> in playing music. He's licensed. It's completely right. Well, and you talk about uh, referencing specific sounds for different uh, songs, and that, if it's an insect noise from Miles Davis uh, uh, for the uh, is it Far From Any Road, uh, uh, and you or you look back at something at uh, the Beatles, uh, uh, it's almost as if you have one of those uh, Sherlock Holmes mind palaces uh, for, for for music that you can go to at any point. <laughs> I think that's about the size of mine. You know, that little shack. He's got a hot plate, but yeah, got a hot plate. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> More of the Unabomber's cabin. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I kind of, I, I, she's a voracious reader and I'm a voracious listener. So I, I just have always constantly looked for new things to listen to. And I still do, you know. Yeah. Um, and still amazingly fine things that are old things and new things, you know, to become obsessed about them. Getting a piano tomorrow, which is very exciting. Oh boy! What what, what kind? Uh, it's a Baldwin. A free Agri. one. It's <laughs> a Baldwin Agrisonic. It's like a, a it's like a spinet, you know. Uh huh. So it's like between a, a console and an upright. So medium sized piano. Medium sized. You've been looking forward to that for a while. I've been trying to get a piano for a long, long time because oh, yes. I. Like, I studied piano for so long, and then all that, I just feel like all of that just went away. just kind of atrophied. But I'm looking forward to relearning everything that I've you know, learned when Have I was... Have you played on some of the on the, some of the records? Oh, almost all the records are... are there's some piano in there, right? There's piano on... Even almost, when it sounds like he's playing something else, he's usually <laughs> playing piano. <laughs> there's so much keyboard on, on the Hanson Family records. I mean, if you go and look at look at them... There's probably more piano and keyboard generated instruments than anything else, and that's just because that's what I know how to play. Right. I'm not a guitar player. I kind of just use it as a prop. Like, look at this. Well, it's working. I identify you as as such as a guitar player. Yeah. But. Yeah. You don't have a sexy way of playing piano live. Is the problem? No. Yeah. You need oh, to, like, you need to that. work on that. Really Lewis. Like a, no, I'm thinking more of a Tori Amos kind of uh, sexy piano Side bench saddle. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta really love the bench. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of swaying involved, I think. Yeah, it's hard for the piano's rough for stage yeah, to pull it off on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tori Amos, Jerry Lee Lewis combo. A little Amos, a little, a little <laughs> Jerry. You know, that hasn't been. Little cool. Amos? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think you could call it Little Amos. <laughs> Make you famous like Amos. <laughs> I like where this is headed. <laughs> now, uh, uh, just to, to back up a little bit, uh, 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 
Renny, you, you're the a writer, as you said, and a visual artist. And then uh, uh, Brett, you'll take that those lyrics and you'll set them sometimes very quickly, sometimes over the course of a long time, set that to music. Do you remember, Brett, the first thing uh, that uh, struck you that was written by Renny that really knocked you off your socks? I think... What, no, what, what did you say? The what question was, do you, was, as was there, a, do you recall uh, experiencing Rennie's writing uh, for the first time? And what, what was that maybe that knocked you for a loop? I think you made fun of it the first time. Well, the, I mean, the first time I read your writing, it was your writing as such. It wasn't lyrics. It was... First you know. time I wrote for you, maybe what's that? What's that? Oh, so it was the first Arlene. time you write oh, no, lyrics. Yeah. Probably Arlene. First time, yeah, was probably Arlene. And yeah, that was successful. You know, it was, yeah. it was good. I, but I, I don't think it was till really started writing things. Come on, <laughs> here's the mastermind. Yeah, the shrimp. Yeah, the shrimp. Um, it wasn't until she started writing things, you know, independent of me. Or, 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 or Arlene was just like a revision. It started out as a yeah, you straight, had your own lyrics, straight country song, and then she revised the lyrics. But mm -hmm. I think the first songs would be like oh, um, yeah, that's not the same as when I gave you lyrics and you yeah, that's them. a lot different prospect than like uh. somebody giving you lyrics. And you saying, hmm. Maybe it was Drunk by Noon or something like that. It may have been Drunk by Noon, which is one of the d so dark. <laughs> <laughs> Neither, but I think both of us have agreed never to sing it again. I think I was basically giving you to say. And people always <laughs> ask us to sing that song, and we're like, Really? It was a cry for help more really than anything. Really want to hear this song. I was hoping you'd say, "Really, you need to talk to somebody." No, I like There's it. There's medication though. for this. I thought it was very good. <laughs> well, you also talk about a specificity of place when you're uh, putting the uh, tracks together and that kind of thing. That you imagine where the song might take place if it's on the edge of a boardwalk or on a mountain or that kind of thing. And so I wondered if there was. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, and I wondered if there was something uh, to Chicago that had informed your sound, because, of course, there you have, not to overgeneralize, but you have people like Chris Ware, comics artist, and Dan Klaus, and you got the, the Harry Who visual artist movement that was kind of eccentric, and the Henry Darger, or Darger, and you know, some real characters and some, some tragic, but also just this dark comedy that exists there. And I wondered if you were uh, influenced by that in any way. Uh, I think we're. I think those are two different subjects, but um, I think that we were definitely influenced by by the same. I think by the same thing that influenced those people that you're talking about, like Dan Close, etc. Um, There's a long winter when we moved there. Right. When we first visited Chicago, we were very attracted to it because of its real crumbling Gotham kind of rust belt, just beautiful, decaying something, you know, just this big, it, it was just great. It was like, it was like a movie set, mm -hmm. you know, Chicago was. And it was, it was kind of dilapidated enough to be affordable, but not so, much so that it was like, you know, like 
Detroit. Like right. you weren't like what well, I'm not you sorry, I just can't you know, I can't do shoot that. through our windows with yeah. guns. So it was you hear and the there gun were a fire, lot of there was a huge away. community of like of like minded people, even if at the time they kind of you know, everybody kind of polarized and I mean Chicago's cold. And yeah. I think that's another reason why everything so much gets done there is that people sit in these little little boxes for six months, seven months out of the year, and they have nothing to do but pick their own brains. Right. And I mean, that's how those these records got made, was just being in these, these collapsing loft spaces, you know, with a piano and a keyboard and a drum machine. Just playing the keyboard you know? to keep warm. <laughs> and you know, the same thing is true with like, all the, like Taurus and John McIntyre, all those, all, all those guys, they were total tinkerers and people that Ian Schneller, like the great um, instrument builder. A lot of secret layers. Just, mm -hmm. You just hang out, you know, because you didn't want to go outside. It's brutal out there sometimes, you know? yeah. <laughs> you walk to the corner and get, then, a, get the six-pack and then come back and just hang out all day. In the day. spring, you know, people would reappear like with these Robert Johnson-like transformations. Like, whoa. What yeah, is right. Oh, I've got this new <laughs> you band. Can, oh, you can wow. play the, the guitar now? When did that happen? Yeah, Sorry, it's got very tangential, but... Well, I think Chicago is um, a good place for making art, for sure. There's mm -hmm. just space, too. Lots of big spaces. I mean, now you probably have to move further out from downtown, but just to have a big space where you can do stupid things is really helpful to a young artist. Right. When I was talking about um, place and the song having a place, yeah. I was talking more about, like, the frame or, like... Oh, I hate to. Oh, this is so pretentious. Uh, I mean, in a film, it would, it would be mise en scène to create a to, to create a place where something happens. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think people ever people don't think about it. people sit down with a guitar, they come up with a clever riff, then they come up with the lyrics. Yeah, and we they don't got do it song, that way. They got a song. It's like when I sit down, I'm I say to myself, where does this song live? Right. And how am I going to paint that? How am I going to use... I mean, there are archetypes for, for sound, too, just like anything else, you know, Jungian ar archetypes. Horns, the hunt, you know, simple as that. Simple mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So if you sit down, the, that's the first thing I, I do when I start recording is I try to map out like where something is going to... Where, where it's going to walk, like where the song is going to walk around, where it's going to live, you know? Right. Maybe and, it's in the living room. And maybe that's part of the truth of the, of the, of the characters. <laughs> right. What? Right. Well, I'm sorry. That's part of the truth of the characters that, you, uh, that are in the stories too, right? To have an actual, you know, you're giving them an actual, uh, you know, Sometimes he knows more virtual about place. Though. Sometimes you explain to things to me by, by setting them. I explain them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I often have, I always have an idea in my head where the song lives, but usually his ideas are better because I'm kind of. Well, sometimes they're not even like. I don't have perspective very, on it sometimes. Sometimes you don't even see it until afterwards either. Yeah. Right. Like you'll use, like you write a song about Tesla and you'll use, like, you'll score it with, like, trombones, Mellotron, bowed wine glasses. You know, and it's like for some reason that totally sounds weird, like like where 
Tesla should live <laughs> in, a, in a place where like, there's a glass harmonium and, you know, the trombone player. It just, so it, I mean, it seems obvious in a way, but my, I, I'm, I don't, maybe it's fun. And I don't, I actually don't know why more people don't do it. <laughs> Orchestration is fun. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, on this, uh, on the idea of fun, this is a, a comedy podcast, as you can probably tell. <laughs> all the jokes that we've had so far, but uh, uh, there is a, a sense of humor that you bring to all of it as well. In addition to this, that personal joy that you have in creating these these uh, places, worlds, characters, scenarios, uh, and great songs. Let's not forget that. Um, could you talk about the the role of humor in the work? Because I mean, there's. The, the form has some humor in it already, yeah. um, and well, country yeah. certainly has its fair share of comedy, inadvertently or not. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's a fine line. You know, it's hard to know whether something's tragic or comic. Sometimes, sometimes things are both. I, maybe I'm interested in that that horrible giggle you get at something awful, you know, happening. So maybe your father has a very dark <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah. You. <laughs> Doesn't make you fun at parties, but you know, in a disaster, <laughs> I'm a laugh a minute. <laughs> give me a tornado, I give you a few jokes. I don't know. It's, That's my um, whole show. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, the essential absurdity of things is always apparent to me, and you know, it is. You guess there's a point where you can either laugh or cry, and I, maybe I like to do a little of both, but um, depending on how I feel. So I want the songs to feel like they could easily teeter into tears or or giggles. Maybe and um, maybe not be sure themselves which way to go and let the I like you know that there's room for a person who's listening to decide. But then you do get people in the audience sometimes who are just furious that someone's laughing right. at the song that they're crying over, and I think yeah. that's kind of interesting too. We have a song about passenger pigeons that's really really sad but also really funny. <laughs> I think it's one of the best songs. I think it's but one of the best songs that we've ever written, and we never play it probably it, for that you know, very reason because it's so. Fucking sad. But it's also, and at the you same know, time, it's so funny. I can. But the I story, mean, but the real story of passenger pigeons is like that. I mean, people did do really, really stupid things and killed them all. They were like, "Oh, there's billions of them. We uh, just, they'll never die. <laughs> let's just fun and kill birds." <laughs> yeah, and then they're gone. <laughs> and the way they killed them were just insane. They, you know, they killed so many all the time, and they just thought they'd never run out. Like they just didn't do the math. <laughs> yeah. That's typical American Thank math. Thank God we've learned like, from that. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Short-sighted Americans? No. All around us are stories of, of disasters, and we just willfully ignore it, which I think is kind of funny. You know, and we'll be laughing all the way to doomsday. But, but I think it's important, even if it doesn't change our ways, to at least acknowledge that we're essentially a pretty funny species. You know, If I was in outer space, I would be laughing. <laughs> there they go again. Not counting. One, two, a lot. They're just not One, two, do. a lot. <laughs> just not doing the math. Exactly. Well... <laughs> I was watching uh, uh, some of this, uh, the BBC Human Planet and uh, uh, Blue Earth kind of thing, thinking about the, the Wilderness uh, album and just the, the people living in trees and uncontacted tribes that the oh, people were flying that. over. Oh, they love those people that, that they keep flying over and they drop the different color things and see what they like and they love red. And then like the scientists are scribbling down, why do, they, why do savages like red? But you know, <laughs> it's really fascinating. Well, these were completely in red too. They were head to yeah. toe. 
just cautiously people. looking at the at poor the... people. They may not be contacted by the rest of civilization, but they think they're these torturing, you know, um, <laughs> invisible monsters out there sending red buckets. But then why a yellow bucket? Why? <laughs> They're, they're, so confusing. Like they, these scientists keep like sending things to drift ashore, and then they look through the binoculars to see how they react. It's it's really oh, it's really cruel. We should just let wild. them know what's going on. Haven't they seen the gods? Must be crazy. It's one even, and two. I don't know. It's not fair. I'll drop that video cassette down there and see. Uh, <laughs> the gods must be crazy. But I don't want to be the person to break it to them. We've been watching you through binoculars for years, just <laughs> laughing every time you choose the red buckets. <laughs> There's no way we can do this with a good conscience at this point. But somewhere someone's looking at us through binoculars. Yeah, I think having that's a, having a good chortle somewhere it's in their 3D be. hologram machine or whatever we're supposed to be. All these people have alien abduction stories can't be wrong. I mean, there's got to be some kind of shape-shifting, hyper-intelligent <laughs> cactus plant out there that's like just laughing its butt off that we think it's immobile. Center Earth dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> we deserve it. <laughs> Well, I thought I, I just wanted to share this with you uh, because it's how I first came across your music, which was on a road trip uh, from San Francisco to Minneapolis, and I had just left a very frightening motel in Reno. You know the one. It's in your nightmares. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I stopped for some lunch there in Salt Lake, and surrounded there uh, uh, by the snow-capped mountains, I stopped into a strip mall, and they had a CD store there, and I came across uh, th uh, oh. Through the Trees. And there was something about the cover uh, mimicking the landscape outside, and I put that CD in there, and Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa, all the way through, just uh, enjoyed the heck out of Through the Trees. And one of the, one of the lyrics in there from the, the – that's Sister's Tiny Hands, right? That's on, on there? Yeah. I want to make sure I have that right. Uh, th these yeah. lyrics have stayed with me the whole time. And uh, it's, it's that every creature casts a shadow under the sun's golden finger. But when the sun sinks past the waving grass, some shadows are dragged along. <laughs> First right. off, congratulations for finding the one CD. We only usually release one CD and one store in Reno. And only one person is allowed to listen to it at a time. <laughs> I won the lottery. <laughs> finding CD. <laughs> We want to keep it special. <laughs> wow. I appreciate it. The chances of all those things happening is are astronomically small. I've used those lyrics, though, uh, uh, to, to, to talk about certain visual art pieces that I've seen. And to, it's just something about that is so, the menace is so true. I, I really. <laughs> I think it's me. You try being annoyed by all the people who say, "What a lovely sunny day." Well, I'm yeah, always thinking, "Well, what happens when the sun goes down?" That's right. What's you know, next? It took me many years of singing that song, which is a song about uh, about snakes. It's really about the letter S. That 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 chorus that you just quoted is all about the letter S. <laughs> Every creature casts a shadow. Right. The sun's golden fingers. When the sun sinks past the waving grass, some shadows are dragged along. <laughs> a lot of asses. But I don't know. It's just, I think, me <laughs> taking a perfectly lovely thing, like a lovely mountain scene with the sun casting a long shadow and finding something bad to say about it. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> I think it's my no. gift. <laughs> my my ex-wife did not like nature, so I can relate to you. This is her on a walk. Nature, huh? <laughs> yeah, not, does not like nature. Doesn't like to go outside. 
So Not this is a man who, as Grill Marcus says, is obsessed with destroying every, all of nature because, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. nature, the snake, took away yeah. his, the only thing that he loved. So he became mad and wanted to, yeah. So, yeah, if you're a nature hater. <laughs> this song's for you. <laughs> this song's for you. <laughs> I think, I, actually, you know what inspired this song was, I think there was, we were, that one day we were walking on the beach on Long Island and, We'd come to visit my parents for Thanksgiving. They live right along the, the, the south. Right near the water. And uh, Long Island always amazes me because it's Lovely. full of, where I, I grew up, is gorgeous rural farms and, and wooded places that are just untouched beauty and then lovely seascapes. But there's always an asshole. Just yeah. there no reason. <laughs> yeah. So we came exactly. out on the beach and there was this beautiful seascape and beautiful beach, windswept beach, and there was a guy there with his dog, and he was catching fish, and he was just throwing them to his dog, and his dog was just biting them and killing them, and they were just laughing their butt off, this guy and his dog, about just hey, killing this is fish, funny. Look at this and they, shit. Had, they had dying, dead and dying fish all around that they weren't going to do anything with, except just enjoy the fact that they were killing fish together, and I, I came, we came up to them, and the guy was like, what the fuck, this is great, huh, <laughs> and I could just, you know, like, yeah, if you enjoy just killing fish, then good for you, dog. Great, well done. But to me, it wasn't such a good thing to come across. But everybody, everybody enjoys nature in a different way, I suppose. <laughs> yes, that's true. But the man and the dog were both in agreement, which was interesting to it me. Was a they great both day were just like, "Oh, killing fish is great. This is awesome. <laughs> Don't even like to eat fish. Just killing them is the fun part." <laughs> Well, the, now the 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 most this is this is the most recent album is Wilderness, and that that has a lot of this kind of uh, interaction with uh, animals and uh, people's fun, yeah, for many years. And identifying some people with maybe animal characteristics or that kind of thing is is also a part of it, uh, uh, and that's something that, of an interest of yours too. Is that right, Renny? That or at least the idea that we're all connected. I mean, that BBC thing, I kind of got into that where I said, well, my God, these people are living in trees. What's, what am I complaining about? <laughs> you know, what am I worried? Like they, they, and they have no care well, about whether the child will know, fall could, hundreds could of feet. They could show scenes from your life in Brooklyn, and they might be, you know, just as horrified, too. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> I know they would be. <laughs> Look at the lines for that restaurant, and it's just exactly. in a warehouse. <laughs> what the, the hell? The burger and the noodles, <laughs> It's all on your perspective, but I do think that you know it, it's helpful to just realize that the epic lives that little creatures live and all around us and inside of us and on our skin, things that are alive and doing things that are well beyond our can. But but it doesn't hurt, it doesn't bother me to know that. I think it's good to know, regardless of how much you scrub, you're you're a host. You're basically just a a, a big fleshy petri dish. You know, you're a host for many little creatures, and that's okay. They have their own little stories they're singing. Crazy ants. And they have no idea that they're on your flesh. They're just singing their own stories. When you, when you tell people in advance, because there's always, so what are you guys going to work on next? And Or you tell your label, oh, we're working on a concept album about animals, with, and it's going to have an accompanying book of essays and posters and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, it's kind of like, Oh, uh, animals? Really? And it, because it, the assumption is it's going to be this kind of well, I thought when Pollyanna kind of thing. You know, that animal right. stories are for children. But this somehow. is not. Yeah, well, this is not bullshit. Like once this we teach like, kids, <laughs> teach kids. These the, aren't happy stories for kids. No, well, they're I not. I also find it really strange that we're they're about wildebeest. 
falling we're, over cliffs. We're and, obsessed with teaching all kids that what animals, what noises each animal makes. The lion goes roar, the bear goes grrr, the horse goes neigh, and then we're just like, and then, but you know, by the way, we're killing all the lions <laughs> and the bears. We've, we've killed them all for pelts. Well, it was interesting because we were in Denmark once, and we were in a thrift store, and we found this book, and it was called. What was it called? When Animals Die. Oh, it's my favorite book. It was a children's book. It is a children's book. book. It's a children's book. It has some it really, really, beautiful. some pictures and, that I can't even look at. They're just I mean, maggot infested. Incredibly gross. Close up photos for children. But it's like, hey, but it, this is the real deal. No, kids. but it's written in this really happy language. Like, when a rabbit dies, it's Maggots a are happy. Flies can go in and lay eggs, and their babies will have something to eat, and they're just going to, families are going to multiply, Which and it's going to be a big party. You know, I'm not one of those kind of like, well, death a is thing. a part of life. Actually, that's bullshit. It's not <laughs> a end of life. But, <laughs> but, but for the flies, it's a it's a great day. It's, Look, that's a place to party. I was amazed. It's a banquet. Just, I mean, the cultural difference between, yeah, this is your Scandinavian idea and, yeah, the American, like what you teach kids. Oh, so our like, children aren't ready to know the happy goes, story no. about maggots. No, we just want to. Maggots go. <laughs> Repeat <laughs> after me. Oh, but I don't know. I wanted to tell the story of the the animals that we don't like to sing about. Maybe we have enough songs about how the cow goes moo. What was the question? The question is, <laughs> why did We're you? We're really bad at answering questions. We always come no. on these I, I'm I'm there with you, uh, uh, but uh, I, it was just a more of a statement that you were connecting uh, that people are animals and connected to that larger. Yeah. Uh, system uh, and am, am I wrong if in the in the caterpillar? Sorry, there's somebody that's honking, and that's what New York is all about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a busy place, as, as full of animals. Yeah, no but, one's yeah, honked in Albuquerque we in a hundred years. Actually, it's getting worse. There's more there's and more no assholes here. every day. Yeah, but we don't honk. We don't. We don't have that art form yet. Honking, yeah. It always takes a while to get out here. <laughs> You're too exhausted to honk. Oh, well, what I wanted to share is, uh, again, this uh, connection in New Mexico. While I was staying there, I was being put up by the company at a very nice uh, resort in Santa Fe, some kind of old thing there with some spa treatments. And I I was reading something on my phone, you can imagine, just uh, in my nightcap. And the the hotel, uh, the only light in the room is my iPhone, the phone. And I I go to shut off whatever solitaire or whatever I'm looking at. And I I turn the phone and I catch, in my eye, I see this black thing just uh, expanding across the carpet and contracting. And I, of course, think it is a snake immediately because I don't know from anything. And I turn on the the light. It's just a very long, uh, literal night crawler. Just this huge worm coming right towards my my bed. Yeah, but they sting. They sting? Yeah, it's like a telepathic. You don't have to tell him that shit. <laughs> you can. No, it's just, but the utter. You have no memory of this thing. You just are in its thrall. Afterwards. But it's just the, the the psychic damage that does to you. I think this, the, like how we die in little bits, is like you see something like yeah. that, and you're like, you're no oh, longer shit. a child. Yeah. I can't, I can't unthink that or no. unsee that. We got some big insects out here. I've seen like yeah, we saw something in the backyard. It's madness. That, yeah, it, it looked like a finger. Like, <laughs> it was the same size, same color, and it was wriggling across the backyard. And, and it I kept was just saying, like, "Help me!" I was just like, "I don't." This was the last thing that my brain 
expected expected to process. It had a little right a little horn on the beer. front though. Oh. I, take, oh, no. I move this rock and there's this thing. A finger with a silver horn and silver and it had silver a, like triangles. A it, oh, it was terrifying. And it, as it turns out, it wasn't it from was outer space. A, a hawk moth in its larval state. Oh. <laughs> I never want anyone to see me in my larval state. These these moths, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're get to be caterpillars for a little while, where they just run around eating things. But then, if they get fat enough and they survive that fun little part, then all their legs fall off. And they have to wriggle and wriggle and wriggle into this hard-packed desert dirt That's where to we get saw underground. Them. And then they can build a cocoon if they get down to the ground. But it's like weeks of just wriggling in the dirt before they can make even a dent in that stuff. I've tried to dig shovels in there, and you can't. And it's that easy. When they become moths, they only go up. Only then as soon die. as they they dig their way out of this tunnel and they they spread their beautiful wings, my cat is waiting there to kill them immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Over there. It's just evil. Everybody has it tough. And and that's what the album is like. There's a yep. little taste of the album. That's not on there, but that's essentially what right. it is. Well, one of the songs also references Stephen Foster, the great yeah. American songwriter. And the place that he ended up uh, dying, penniless, I gather, and alone, now occupied by Great New York Noodle Town. Uh, in Chinatown. Oh, changed really? quite a bit. Well, it may still be the site of suicides and uh, some lonely men uh, hanging around. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. wow. We drove by the Bowery when we were in New York last time. It is really funny to just see how it's changed. I don't. Yeah, it's hard to know. It's just a lateral change. I'm not sure if it's Strangely better or worse. enough, just... yesterday when I went to check out the piano that I'm getting, ding, 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 um, I, there was some sheet music in... The, the piano bench, mm -hmm. you, know, you open it up, there's a bunch of sheet music. The first thing I took out and put on the stand to play, to see check out the piano, was Stephen Foster's songbook. And yeah. I was like, man, that's a freak. That's well, freaky. Yeah. And the first song that was, was, la, da, 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 Oh, Swanee River, old folks. Yeah. Don't sing the racist like, yeah, lyrics. Don't sing the, yeah, there's some. Bad <laughs> yeah, he was uh, known for his minstrel work. Have to apologize for singing. <laughs> yes. It's well, complicated. But it's such a perfect, beautiful song. Yeah. I mean. Well, that's exactly how I, I wanted to uh, bring us to conclusion. Was asking you if there what what was in your opinion either early uh, traditional or classic country. What's that perfect, uh, just American song where it just boils down to the essence. I think old folks at home yeah. is a good place to start because <laughs> it really does. It's beautiful and it's horrible all at once. And it talks about um, the American sense of homelessness and wandering, but also this insane all racist the world blindness. Is tired and dreary every I mean, it's a beautiful song about longing and. <laughs> you gotta, but uh, that's an impossible question to answer. But, yeah. Um, that would be Stephen Foster would be a good place to start. I got that's what it came up for me was that hard times come again no more yeah. seemed to really yeah. lock in for me. But and I mean he kind of and Dylan's kind of elliptically talked about this it, 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 when he gets stuck and goes back to to the essentials of songwriting. It's it all starts with Stephen Foster, and I mean that's like whether you like it or not, those are the two strains of of American music. You've got this sentimental ballad, which essentially evolved into, you know, country music, you know, parlor ballads, which came from Schubert through Stephen Foster, then became like, you know, stuff that, that became country. And then you got race music, 
on the other side, mm -hmm. which started out with Foster as minstrel songs, and then developed into like you know the the race records business and you know people actually hearing that music from the real creators of it. So I mean that's he's like at this he's at the crossroads definitely. Exactly. American music. Whether you like it or not, Whether it's tough stuff. <laughs> yeah. We sat down it's, and we were like, complicated. we should make a record. We should make but a record of this Americans stuff. know thyself. And then it was just like, I don't know if we can. Yeah. It but would really take balls to do it. It's important. It maybe need to be done. But yeah. You're getting a lot of trouble with something. Well, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people realize this crazy <laughs> moment in American history. Like, first of all, that minstrel shows were more have been more popular in America for longer than rock and roll. Yeah, eighty yeah. years, eighty de eight decades. It's so it much number one of form popular of music comes from those shows and those songs. And not only that, but that they were ex-slaves, really. black men who blacked up yeah. to be on those stages. Right. I mean. That to me is, if you can Bert understand Williams, that, <laughs> sure, Bert, yeah, and get a little yeah. close to understanding the and problem we I have mean, in America. That's so confusing. Yeah, that and yeah. the fact that we like to kill everything are our two main problems here. It seems like it, and often those <laughs> intersect. Those two yeah. things would be fine. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be okay, but uh, well, there's uh, still some work to be done. <laughs> so, we're getting there. In One, the American two, story. <laughs> We'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why another one of my favorite songs is uh, Harper Valley PTA. <laughs> I can just I can just relax with that one. And I, I hope to do my own album of just civic institutions. Yeah, but have you heard yeah. the, the satanic lyrics in it when you play it backwards? <laughs> no. Stop. Oh, that's the day Philly jumped off the telly. It's basically what she's singing. <laughs> I'm going to start spinning it backwards and see. <laughs> Maybe if you watch Barbara Eden in reverse, you'd probably get some satanic messages, too. Eden, think about it. <laughs> I know. I think a lot of important... I think a lot of the most important American songs are, are the Tim Pally stuff, too, which kind of mm -hmm. gets short shrift if you're like a pop musician, you know, if you're not into musical theater or something. Right. I mean, the that's like the real classic stuff, George and Ira Gershwin and Irving Berlin and, you know, that Absolutely. stuff is just uncanny. You know, I, I think the story of Irving Berlin and White Christmas is also another, another thing all Americans need to meditate on a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they need... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a Jew says, how do I make money off of this damn holiday? Yeah. Finds he a way. Did a really good job. <laughs> really good job. Who uh, couldn't get into the country club, but. And it made a lot of, yeah. It, it, that and many other songs made him very wealthy. And that's cool. Well, and, and what what uh, are you going to be working on next, or you don't want to say? Is he, do you not like that question? I'm you always working on something? Trying to do something simpler. Mm -hmm. So, like, but I won't probably. <laughs> trying it's to hard. narrow, trying to make it less studio esque, like more, more, like sounding like a live. One band. harmonica, one pair of castanets. That's it. You know, more like guitar, vocals. Yeah, just simple. But With an audience or just the sound of being alive? No, just the uh, sound. Just, I'm going to do a lot of beatboxing. Just a, just okay. <laughs> yeah. Some Bobby McFerrin stuff should come back. <laughs> Why should I be looking for these instruments? I got a perfectly good rib cage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well. What is that? Body rock? Body rock. 
I hope that's the next the next thing. Excess baggage fees are killing me. <laughs> no, I don't know. I try to. I want to do something. Yeah, it's kind of simple and quick and short, mm-hmm. like that EP, like maybe vinyl only Never happened. or something. And she, yeah, she's back. I would love it, but... She's shaking her head. I don't know. Um, Yeah, in the event that the True Detective thing happens, you know, when it begins again. Season two. Right, because your song was selected for the credits there, and now lots of Hollywood parties and things, no doubt. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And then you may do a different one for season two, because what's the deal there? They switch it all up? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so we have to. That's why I'm getting my beatboxing ready. Prepare myself case. for if, if if they use it again. I want to be in a position where I can, you know, release something that would be kind of timely, right? Other than what I did last time, which was nothing. <laughs> well, we've tried which that. Which is usually what I do. <laughs> well, I probably got you a lot of a new fans and things too with that, which is well, which kept is terrific. Really, it kept us nice. very, very yeah. busy since January. It's well, I hope whatever the next step is that it, it brings you uh, uh, as much uh, attention and, and great uh, creative uh, satisfaction. Um, as Just going to go out and kill a bunch of things. Well, yeah, no, no, that sounds good. <laughs> we'll probably keep doing it anyway. We've been doing this for quite a while. I, I can't yeah. see myself making a lateral move into, I don't know. IT, maybe. <laughs> right. It's too right, late right, for you. Right. It's too late for me. Yeah, I'm alive. <laughs> you got to stay with it. I'm totally alive for you. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you are, and I will look forward to whatever comes next. And where can people find out? It just go into the handsomefamily.com? Yeah, or that store in Reno. They probably still have. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Salt Lake City. <laughs> when you buy one, they get another one. So one at a time. That's, that's <laughs> right. Oh, it looks like we're there's a very lucrative resale too between Salt Lake City and Reno. So if you get it in one place, they're eager for it in the other. We need to look at, you know. It's, it's a relaxing road trip. <laughs> I think you'd do very well. It is a beautiful trip. It, it is. It the was. The cover is very evocative of that kind of. Yeah. Our other records are available yeah, in other a, stores, one at a time, in undisclosed locations. I remember when look. we made that record. I was like, I don't want. I hate those. Covers, you know, with a band on the cover, and you know, let's do, you know, let's put, make it like a, yeah, just a pretty picture of a mountain. <laughs> it seems like a mural that like, you would encounter well, somewhere. Look like one of those romantic um, German David Friedrich. Yeah, that's right. what I was. I wanted to like this romantic German kind of looking. You know, I don't cover. think you succeeded. I think you totally succeeded in spades. Maybe. <laughs> Well, we couldn't do the the, the, the the Casper because the Mekons already did it. True. They They're always one it. step ahead of us. That's that's maybe my favorite cover of all time. That's a good one. Of all rock and roll albums mm-hmm. is the cover of the album Rock and Roll, which is just a frame of that ice-breaking. Uh-huh. Casper, David, Friedrich. David yep. Friedrich. And it's, you can see the frame and the white space around it, and in crayon, it's like written Mekons, <laughs> rock and roll. Right, right. That is so brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, plug. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Good plug. 
I get it. But this has been great. I, I, I could talk for much longer. And uh, I appreciate you both making some time. As I said, this has been fantastic and a real thrill. So uh, we'll, we'll keep checking it out. And we'll, uh, uh, we certainly wish you continued success. Thanks very Thank much. You. Thank you. It was fun to talk to you. Yes, yeah, nice to talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Ahoy. Oh, my goodness. Aren't they the best? I mean, Renny and Brett, thank you for taking some time. If you're interested in the Handsome Family, check out handsomefamily.com. Be sure and see them live if they come to you. If you happen to be wandering through some civic plaza, keep your ear out because it might be them. Uh, they tour uh, all over, so check them out. And uh, we play a little bit of their music from uh, Wilderness, the most recent album. Just a little snippet there as we began the interview. That's where that was from. Uh, so definitely go and buy that wherever you like to buy uh, music, whatever you your, your choice is go and do it and get some handsome family load up and and get get into it uh as far as the next uh, dale radio live you can find out about that at daleradio.com but it's going to be happening on wednesday october 29th at 8 p.m at the pit in new york city and we've got a terrific lineup folks so uh definitely uh, check that out and we we'd love to see you it's uh, a great time in a basement full of good-looking people who are fun at parties so uh, uh do that that would be great now till next time i'm going to be using my empty whiskey bottles to roll out yet another pie crust for all my apple pies. You have to understand, I went to the orchard this weekend because that's what people in New York do this time of year. They say, oh, I suddenly am interested in picking things off of trees and off the ground. And so we all drive out to New Jersey or upstate and we find the orchard and we all go in there and we have a cider donut and a gallon of apple cider and we pick. Now you have to, I took little baby Pepsi out there and she, it turns out, is a terrific apple picker, so much so that we filled our, our 50 cent plastic bags with well over 22 pounds of apples that I hauled from one end to the other before realizing you could get a wagon. So uh, when life gives you uh, 22 and a half pounds of apples... <laughs> Oh, my goodness, you're going to better make something with it. And it better, apple crisp, I got apple pies, I got uh, uh, apple juice, I've got apple-scented candles, ladies and gentlemen. I am out of my mind with what to do with all these apples. But I hope you're having a terrific fall. I hope it starts to cool off because, as you know, best weather is best weather, and that's what I'm looking forward to. But for now, let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written, produced, and performed by James Bewley. Musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 podcast theme composed and performed by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon designed by Louis Chin. Logo treatment by Daniel Spencer. Posters by Claire Prouse. Live shows the last Wednesday of every month at the Pit in New York City. And be sure to tune in, rate, review, do all the things that you love to do on social media platforms by following us on Twitter, on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or find everything online at DaleRadio.com. Thank you for listening. You're the best.